0: Hello and welcome to the 1865 Match Report. We are recording just after Nottingham Forest have lost at home 2-0 to Manchester United. The headlines will show that it was a goal in the first half by Anthony and one he set up in the second half for Diego Dallo that made the difference and also Kalor Navas made lots and lots of saves. Now we're going to discuss the match in a little while. We're also going to hear from a Man United fan and we are going to talk. About, you know, the off pitch stuff as well. Just before we get started, here's a line, the forest lineup. So, uh, Kaelor Navas was in goal. It was a back three of Felipe McKenna coming in for the poorly Joe Worrell and Musa Niyakate, which was a surprise. We had Nico Williams and Renan Lodi at wing back, with Remo Freuler and Danilo in midfield, and Morgan Gibbs White behind Brennan Johnson and the returning Taiwo Awanyi. Now, Baz, usually we do these match reports in part one by talking through the what happened in the match and you know giving a kind of a blow-by-blow blow account for anyone who wasn't able to see it. But I'm going to start in a slightly different way this time. Firstly, is it fair to say that Man United dominated that one?
2: When you look at the... I've just watched the highlights on Sky and I've read the stats and you look at all that stuff and you would say, yep, That This was a stroll for Man United, but after our recent games, I've basically been quite deflated, whereas after this game, I'm quite angry, because if we could play like we did today against Everton, against Wolves, against those other clubs where we had these must-win games, we'd have won them. And we got undone by the fact that we're nowhere near as good as Man United, but... Every time I've seen us play Man United this season, we've been totally outclassed, whereas we fought them every... Until the second goal went in, we were fighting and we we looked like we could have got something. And yeah, so the stats don't tell the story.
0: OK, and I'll come back to that in just a second because it's part of the, the wider point I was going to make, which is, um, I mean, but before I do that... You mentioned Everton and Wolves, and that's the one. There's the two games where we keep coming back to it, aren't they? Because we've said all along that this season wasn't going to be defined by results against top six, top eight teams. But that only holds true if you're getting the results <laughs> against the teams who are who are closer to you. And those two are the ones that got away, aren't they?
2: Yeah, and now our season is going to be defined by the, the results against top six and top eight teams because that's all we've got left. That's true that's true um so coming back to to
0: today and the way the match panned out now it's worth pointing out that the goals came um i say there's one in the first half one in the second half and both came at sort of similar kinds of times in in the match didn't they so uh anthony scored his first goal um It was uh, Martial who had the shot. Navas parried it away, but Anthony got to the rebound and and tapped it in. Uh, We'll talk about the details of it in a bit. And the second goal came after 76 minutes. So both of them came about half an hour into into Mm -hmm. the respective halves of football. Now, from about 65 to 75 minutes after Cooper had made a couple of subs, It did feel as though the tide was starting to turn, wasn't it? So United will have been very relieved as much as anything to have got that second goal which killed the match. So do you think that there was, as we saw against Man City in the home match then, do you think that Steve Cooper did have a game plan? Because he always talks about the game plan and sticking to the plan. So do you think we had a plan and it was more or less working or am I being way too optimistic?
2: I think... In the some of the other games I've seen, he's talked about the game plan and I've not seen it. Whereas today there was definitely a plan. And if it weren't for a few little factors, it would have worked. And um, we we can go into detail about them now or talk well, about them later.
0: Why don't you tell me which little factors we are considering?
2: So uh for the first goal it was um I really, really liked Danilo, but he was giving the ball away a lot. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: he's only... Was he 19? He's twenty twenty one. So he's only a young player. He's moved halfway across the world. And young players are going to make lots of mistakes. So you can't really punish him for that. But when you're playing against one of the best teams in the country, you are going to get punished for every single mistake.
0: Now, on that topic, one of the things that's a perennial conversation and we've seen what 30 odd managers over the last mm-hmm. 30 odd years however many it is but even back in the days of Brian Clough every week there'd be a disagreement about the team selection mm-hmm. uh, do you think is were you surprised when you saw Danilo on the team sheet for this kind of match
2: yes no, if if Brian Yates was available he would have been on the team sheet okay. but we need that sort of mobile midfielder mm-hmm. we, we've said all well, for the last few weeks last few months how static our midfield has been without him and Danilo is that mobile midfielder who can burst forwards and so I could see why he was there Mm -hmm. but yeah he's a kid
0: yeah okay so Danilo and it seems as though that was a, a direct that that kind of moment where Danilo gave the ball away as a little bit of indecision between him and Felipe and that and that directly led to Martial
2: getting yeah. through and having his shot. Yeah, I think Martial gave the ball away to Danilo and then Danilo basically gave it back to him.
0: And the other thing um, about that goal, so there've been a couple of times where people have been critical of Navas for when he's making saves not always pushing the ball away. I think on this occasion, you can't really attach any blame no. to the keeper, can you? Think- he mm-hmm. did push it to the side. If any if anyone's to blame in terms of Anthony Putting the rebound in, maybe Ren and Loddy should have been slightly more switched on, but I think I that would think be harsh that. as well. I think that would
2: be very harsh. I think the fact is, as I said, every time we played them before, I thought we were completely outclassed by their their speed of thought and their speed of passing and their speed of movement. Today, we weren't outclassed in that way apart from a few moments, and okay. it's those moments that cost us.
0: Okay, I'm going to give you another potential little factor. So, just a hypothesis, tell me what you think. Um, when we played, so, the last time I saw Forest play United was in the Carabao Cup mm-hmm. um, semi final, where in the end we were comfortably beaten, although there's that Sam Surridge, his toenail was offside moment. Mm-hmm. But in that match, it was defined, especially the good moments from United were defined by the axis of Casemiro and, and, and Eriksen in midfield. Eriksen wasn't even supposed to be playing today. He was put in after the warm-up into the team. But the hypothesis is Eriksen's presence was what made the difference in terms of giving United that that degree of kind of midfield know-how, I
2: suppose. Yeah, well, I would say Ericsson ran the show completely. Mm-hmm. He he was by far the man of the match. Um, and responsible for Gibbs White being quiet as well? That and, well, I think as well, Casemiro was tasked with with keeping stopping the ball from getting to Gibbs White. And then because Ericsson was running things, Gibbs White was having to come deep. Mm-hmm. And so he either received the ball in useless areas or Casemiro was cutting out the passes to him.
0: OK, so we've had a couple of little factors. Are there any others you'd like to bring up?
2: Yeah, so um, a lot has been seems to have been made about the fact that a one-year missed what was a very, very good chance. Talk us through it. Um, it was basically the one... Uh, it was towards the end of the first half and it basically broke free ran onto the ball, was free of the defender and then pretty much skied the shot mm-hmm. when he just had De Gea. De Gea was sort of off his line a bit as well, so you could see where the where, where there was the scope for him to score. Mm-hmm. But if that had been a one-year and he hadn't got... In, if it had been the game after that Southampton game and he hadn't got injured, he would have buried that goal. Yeah. But the, the one of the factors is that we haven't been able to play a stable team if you think back to last season every single well, you know that little score predictor thing that on yeah. that app we were getting 99 100% on the score on the not team the score predictor. the team predictor yeah. every single week because we played the same team and the only time it would change was if one person was out injured whereas and
0: and then you kind of know who was going to slot in wouldn't yeah. you so it'd be like well keenan davis is injured sam sorridge is going to play
2: yeah. there uh, whereas this Every single game, every single week, it's been four changes from last week, five changes from last week.
0: And on the Fan Hub Team Predictor, I, have, I don't know about anyone else who's listening, but I have not been getting anywhere close to 11 <laughs> because it's so difficult to select an 11.
2: When you don't know who's even walking.
0: Exactly, exactly. So, all right, so a one year's chance there. So if he wasn't rusty, fresh back from injury, he was still in that confident run. Then that's one that a striker puts away. Yeah. Okay. Any other factors? Um, so you talked about, I'm going to put some words in your mouth. So you talked about people seem to be making a lot of. Mm-hmm. Well, if you go onto, let's move away from Forest Twitter. If you go onto Sky Sports and BBC Football, uh, and indeed, uh, you know, Five Live were talking about it, Radio we were talking about it. Harry Maguire was booked after just a few minutes because Tyro was already being a handful, Mm -hmm. which is why he was put in the team. Just a few minutes later, Harry Maguire could have walked, Forrest could have had a penalty, and that was at nil-nil.
2: Well, actually, there's even more to it than that. So (laughs) Maguire gets booked for bundling into a one-year when a one-year basically rounded him and, and, and beaten him. Then we start chanting Leicester reject at him. He glares at the crowd he looked really unhappy about it mm-hmm. then every time because obviously the way that Man United play is De Gea likes to roll the ball to one of the centre centre backs and then the centre back carries it forwards a little bit while looking for the pass every time Harry Maguire had it we were going whoa and he was missing his passes because mm-hmm. of that then obviously following that up with more Leicester reject chance. So he was looking really, really unhappy and unsettled. Um, then there was the penalty incident. I have to say, it didn't look clear cut from where I was, but there was a big bundle of players. But having seen some of the, the photos and stuff afterwards, I don't understand why it wasn't given.
0: Well, so just to, to to interject there, I mean, Steve Cooper did say, I can understand why the ref didn't see it. Um He's, well, let's 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 quote him. I think as a penalty, it's a really poor error. The referee should see it, but understand why he hasn't because of the angle and the number of players. Why VAR hasn't isn't right. How VAR Andy Madley hasn't seen it needs really looking at. It's a bad error. I mean, it's a, we do, we always say don't we? We don't talk about refs. So we we are quite happy to admit that in real time with the bundling of players that it's not obvious but is that why VAR hasn't overturned it saying well it's not a clear and obvious error because why would anyone see it even though the pictures clearly show that Maguire doesn't head the ball it hits his arm that impedes the ball from going and through to he's McKenna put, he's
2: put his arm in the air in yeah. front of McKenna I mean, I...
0: and and I know that the rules of the game are ridiculously complex these days but I was always brought up to believe if you wave your arms about in the box you can't yeah. really complain too much if, if you get a penalty given against
2: and, you. And you see again one of the things with, with penalties where you're not sure what's happened the best thing to do is look at the reaction of the players in the box and our players were livid and their players were surprised it wasn't given. Mm.
0: And of course we'll never really know what impact that'll have because it's always a case of what if but... I don't think it's unrealistic to say that it the game might have panned out differently with 10 men if Forrest had been awarded and scored a penalty. Mm-hmm. Because that was at nil-nil. No. Yeah. And fairly early on in the game.
2: And, well, even if it, Maguire hadn't got a yellow card for it, because you could argue that, yeah, he shouldn't have been waving his arms about, but it wasn't a deliberate, like, punching mm-hmm. the ball out of the way or something. He was unsettled. Mm-hmm. And after that... Oh, no, there was one other incident, but then apart from that, he looks much, much calmer from from about 35 minutes onwards. Mm. And the other incident was um, where, again, he um, put his arms all round a one-yee when a one-yee was cleared through one goal, and it just got waved on.
0: Doesn't sound like you're very happy with that.
2: I think... I read... A little summary saying, actually, Maguire played really well. And in the second half, he didn't have anything to do, really. Mm -hmm. But he was so unsettled in the first half, and that was our, our way in. That's why we were making chances, was because he was not sure how to deal with everything. So all these little things add up. Again, it's all lots of little factors, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So, in that respect... Do you think Forest can feel I mean you said at the start, didn't you? Like previously when we've played Man United the previous three times, it's there's been a golfing class. And mm. you're saying that even though United had lots and lots of shots, and Navas had an outstanding yeah, yeah. game in terms of the saves he made. I mean, the save from Bruno Fernandes where he palmed it onto the bar particularly stands out as one one that looks good on the cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made a number of really good saves, particularly some of those low down. Yeah. Um With that in mind, though, it sounds as though you think that there was something stirring in the Reds.
2: Yes, it was. Until the second goal went in, I thought we could get a point at the very least. And if we got one goal, there was actually the chance we could probably power on to get another. Mm -hmm. Now, I know we didn't make many chances. We didn't really force any saves off De Gea, but it was it was in the the spirit and the 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 determination that we had fight in us there was a, there was a a bit there was there was a couple of bits where we've said it loads of times before where like when when we're playing badly and there's a fifty fifty and they always seem to win them. well, we seem to win more than fifty percent of them today, and that's against players who are better than ours. I mean, we've been
0: podcasting together for a long time and we've been watching matches together for many, 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 many years indeed. And the amount of times I've heard you talk about, well, this is relegation, you know, relegation mm. form, or this is a, a, a team that looks haunted by relegation because that thing of the players having that slump, that bit about being just a second too slow to snap into the 50-50s. The, the, the idea of looking scared if you, once you get near the opposition's box... Sure, Forrest didn't have quality in the final third today, but you're saying that the spirit of the air suggests that there's still some uh, there's still some fight in there, and therefore, a part a conversation we'll get onto in part two of this is that maybe the manager's doing something right as well.
2: Possibly, yeah. Um, I just but on the they're not making anything in the the final third. I've got a little bit a couple of factors on that as well. Go on. So. Um, about twenty twenty five minutes in, um, Jono got around his fullback, and I didn't see what happened. But Jono just went flying to the floor. Uh, I don't think it was a foul or anything. I think he just he just like I don't know whatever fell over a
0: collision of some kind.
2: Yeah, but as he as he landed on the floor. He punched the ground really, really hard, like he was very, very angry, and then he lay still. And And there was some concern, wasn't there? Yeah, and you know what it is, like if if someone's not really injured, they roll about a lot, whereas he was like, I'm not sure if I can move, that's what it looked like. And he was down for maybe one or two minutes, and then he got helped up by the physios, uh, went off, came back on, but he wasn't the same after that. Mm. So I think he has actually hurt himself because he 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 didn't get anywhere near the full-back. He didn't um, trouble their centre-backs at all after that. And then the other thing was, obviously, Casemiro kept Gibbs-White out of the game. I think everyone knows now that our threat comes from Gibbs-White and O combining together. But Gibbs-White as well, I think he's tired. If you think about it, he's played a lot of games with, and he's got a lot of pressure on him. Yeah.
0: I was, well, I was going to ask you this. So um, so firstly, the factors I think I could be playing in. Number one, Gibbs White. He's never, until last season, and that was at championship level, he's never really played a full season mm. at first team level before. And so to be thrust into being the number 10 in a Premier League team with that with everyone's of expectation, expectation on it. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's, he's put in some outstanding performances. And I think... We speak for a lot of fans when we say we really like him. Mm -hmm. We really think we really believe in him as well. But then also that that factor, that confidence factor again. If he had more goals and assists, and he hasn't scored enough goals, and he's created some stuff, but maybe not as much as he'd hoped for, because we are a bottom, you know, bottom of the table Mm -hmm. team. If he got maybe two or three more assists and a couple more goals, then he'd probably still have a little bit more spring in his step, wouldn't he?
2: Yeah. The thing I remember, I can't remember, who was it against where it was one where he created a goal for Jono, but he picked the ball up just outside the D, then did like the, the little overhead Leicester? overhead kick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then broke through. I can't picture him doing that now. And that's
0: that's that's as much as physical fatigue. That's also the mental weight yeah. of 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 it. Yeah,
2: it's like I, I dare, risk doing something fancy, mm-hmm. even though it's actually him doing things that are fancy that get him the space and make it that, that that mean he does things that no one else can.
0: Yeah, and then part of that as well might also be because Brennan's tired as well, and, mm-hmm. and pro- possibly carrying an injury for the last few weeks, and mm-hmm. but we can't afford to not play him. We've had a rotating cast of other people up front and none of them have managed to make the ball stick. So there's probably a bit where Morgan's thinking, if I pass it forward, it's not going to stick anyway. Mm. So I'm not going to get that one-two or there's no point in me passing it there because they're not going to
2: not going to achieve it. And he doesn't have a Ryan Yates or Cep Chiati bursting in behind him either. That's a very good point. So,
0: so Morgan's looking a bit tired. Anything else that's on your mind that you think is a crucial factor not just in today but potentially, you know, for the remaining games?
2: It's got to be the injuries. It's Yeah. I Ten Hag was saying about his injury list and I was thinking which out of our players would make it into an injury depleted Man United side <laughs> even if we had everyone fit? And then you look at our injury list in comparison to theirs and you're thinking, what what's going on here? This so, this, this is this is crazy I've never seen an injury list like it so we weren't expecting Nierkate and Renan Lodi to
0: play today mm-hmm. but they did Joe Worrell apparently McKenna was chosen ahead of him partly because Wazza was poorly but that still leaves 10 yeah. 10, 11 players who are unavailable
2: and then as I was saying a one he's only just coming back um, Nia Kata, I'm, I'm, I think I suspect he's still carrying an injury yeah you don't you don't go off the way he did yeah. and and feel fine and and the yeah there's just and I might have been imagining it I might have been reading too much into it but there was just a little bit of like slight hesitation in he had a good game but mm-hmm. but there was it wasn't like a swashbuckling performance
0: and also I mean McKenna's selection did mean that Nirkate could move into the middle of the back three, mm. which I suspect is probably a slightly more comfortable role to play. Um, where, you know, and in a way, that's what you want. Isn't it? You want the player who's supposedly a bit more silky to be the one in the middle mm. when you've got the two Warriors and McKenna and Felipe either side. Um, you want to say a few words about
2: Felipe, don't you? I love him. <laughs> That's all needs. actually. On the injury front, there was a point where he went down um, holding his leg, and you thought we're screwed now. Yes, because as I said, who would get into the Man United side? There's only Felipe and Navas, and uh, Felipe is an abs. I-, I keep saying he's an absolute beast. Uh,
0: but he's got some finesse as well, hasn't yeah, he? So yeah. you were talking about his ability to bring it out from the back.
2: Well, so I mean, Man United dominated the midfield, so there were quite a few points where Felipe was decided. I'm going to be the one to step up into midfield, and and with 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 no Yates in midfield, that's yeah. important, isn't it? Yeah, and and that even to, in the second half, he was bursting through in the, on the box because. He needed to. Mm. Um but also it made he's what's oh, thirty three, thirty-four. Yeah. Um he was obviously exhausted. <laughs> he was running up the top top end of the pitch and then it was like, Oh my god, I've got to go all the way back.
0: Yeah, and, and in fairness that almost caught us out towards yeah. the end, didn't it? Because I think was it Jaden Sancho maybe yeah. who who had had an attempt at the end, which he, he really should have scored. Mm. Um but that was as a result of Forest pressing They'd made their subs, they'd gone to 4231. Um, just as a little outline of the substitutions, I think it's only fair that we uh, we we cover um that for the sake of completeness, he says as he's waiting for the team to, to reappear on this thing to, as a reminder. So yeah, we had uh Freuler and um u replaced on 65 minutes as we discussed, and they were replaced by Mangala and Surridge for like-for-like changes. Uh, Dennis came on on 81 minutes as Forrest moved from a back three to a back four with Dennis playing on the left and Gibbs White as a number 10 Mm. and and Brennan on the right and then um, Jesse Lingard came on for Morgan with just a couple of minutes of normal time remaining Uh, so those were the changes I mean I think we're all as a fan base I don't want to be we don't like calling players out so I think we'd agree that we're relieved that Shelby and
2: Ayu didn't <laughs> <Yeah>. play. <laughs> um, and so I don't mind Ayu, but he hasn't—he done anything. He hasn't made, much, anything, but but he. made enough of an impact for. I, I, I quite used to like watching him, especially at Swansea. But yeah, he hasn't really done anything here. But it's not like Shelby, where I think Shelby has made our team worse.
0: Yes, and he's not the only one, so that's obviously a discussion that we've covered Mm. before and we'll probably come back to again, regardless of Forest status at the end of the season. Just a quick word on Sam Surridge, because there were big cheers when he came
2: on. So, um, we started the second half pretty well um, and went at them high-pressing and caused them a bit of grief without really, really troubling De Gea, but then... Ericsson in particular took control of the game, and the second half started going against us a little bit. They started basically just keeping the ball. Surridge comes on, and the very first thing he does is run into I think it was Casemiro and make Casemiro trip him up, winning us a free kick about thirty-five yards out. And suddenly we had the ball again, and that immediate impact was exactly what we were looking for. Um, Maguire, as I said, was having a torrid time against a one he didn't know how to deal with him and the bloke next to me was like I'd keep a one year on, he, as long as he's got one leg then he's going to trouble Maguire but I, I mean, I, I can see why he, he wouldn't have, he would have changed it at 65 minutes uh, and I thought Surridge would probably be able to do the same against Maguire but he didn't really He because his, his game's slightly different it isn't running on the shoulder it's sort of cutting in and trying to find space to be honest once those changes were made, it kind of took us out of the game as an attacking threat. Mm-hmm. Um, Surridge made a difference, but Ericsson just kept the ball. And mm. and so it, it didn't really make much of an odds.
0: But, I mean, the reason that he got those big cheers was because everyone's been mystified that he's been marginalised yeah. at a time when we need someone who has a bit of energy, who has a you know a good goal-scoring touch. Yeah. So...
2: And again, going back to IU, I can see why Steve Cooper would think, actually, this is someone I've worked with before and he's always done it for me. He's just not doing it now. Mm -hmm. So you can see why Cooper would say, right, I'll I'll give it to IU first. Mm -hmm. And now that IU is not producing, he's turning to storage. Okay. Well, in part
0: two, we're going to hear from a view from the opposition and we're going to have a little chat about off-the-pitch
1: matters. The
2: 1865 Match Report.
1: test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply you're listening to 1865 the nottingham Gurus podcast
0: Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, and this is our Man United match report. And now it's time to hear from a Man United fan. Uh, So over to Stephen Barnes.
1: From a United point of view, we were wounded animals going into this game. Uh, We'd had a horrible Thursday night losing your two central defenders uh, and suspending your best midfielder for the next away leg. Like. So we were certainly a wounded animal. A um, bit of a makeshift... I say a makeshift defence. It was last year's, last season's defence, more or less. But it was, you know, not what we would want to see. And we were worried about that. I certainly was. Sabert to get, to get injured in the in the warm-up, albeit he was excellent midweek, probably helped us. Because Ericsson starting, you know... I think there's a crazy start Ericsson if Ericsson um, Bruno and Casemiro start a game United have played 17 games this season when they both started and not lost a game drawn 2 and won 15 and they just were able to boss the midfield and I think that was the separation today and I, I noticed that the pundits were saying that after the game as well is there was just too much and that's well Bruno's obviously managed the match but there's too much quality in the middle of the park for you there and that was that was, that was was your downfall um, we, were, we were a little bit wounded we knew we could not afford to drop points because uh, then we we're in we we're in the race ourselves for for, for third and fourth there you know, so it was it was so key for us but it was one in midfield and those those three playing together was the key from a points point of view I know you guys had a lot of injuries going into it and you've had to make a lot of changes on a regular basis this season you sort of you know we're almost in similar positions having you know ridiculous levels of injuries the problem you've got is you've got a team that hasn't played together uh, consistently or even for previous seasons. And it certainly, it certainly looked that way at times. Um, there were some positives. Um, I felt that um, Navas and Felipe were both good. Navas kept you in the game. Felipe, you know, high energy. You know, I think he had a good chance as well. He, he looks like a decent player there. If Adobe buries that chance in the first half from low I think Delo made a tackle and it fell to him in the edge of the box. If he buries that in the top corner, and if he was sharp, he would have done. I know he's had some injuries himself. The game's different. We're on the back foot, and you're at home on the ascendancy, and we would have absolutely struggled there. We're a bit fragile at the moment in these circumstances with the injuries got. So unfortunately, it's the nature of those things. If you don't take your chances, it's not going to go for you. Looking ahead to what Forrest have got, you know, I've I spoke a few times on the podcast for you this year. You're in the rat race now. I'm afraid. Um, you know, I do think you've got a good chance of staying. or you've got a chance of staying up, right? You've got. It's, it's not in your hands as such because you rely on other teams to drop points. But they will all drop points. All of you guys around that that relegation zone are going to drop points. In fact, you're probably mainly going to drop points this season. Now, you've got a, you've got three home games left. I think. I know one of them's Arsenal, which is which is difficult for you. But the other two are incredibly winnable. Uh, I hope you absolutely murder Liverpool next week because. You know, I hate Liverpool, but um, but you, you've got to find points in the road, and that's the real key now. And uh, you're in the race. Normally, what happens in these is that there's two people, the two the, the bottom, the the two teams below. You look like they're down. You guys are fighting to get out of it. Someone always drops in from above. You know, someone who's three or four paces above the zone of the relegation goal has a nightmare and they drop all the way down there. That would well be the case now, guys. But you've just got to find some points in the road. I wish you all the best. I do think if you're able to stay up this season because your team is going to have another season together, they'll be much more comfortable with each other and you'll knock on and of have a much better season next year because you do play good football. Unlike you don't, You're don't, not coming up playing playing long ball all the time. You're trying to do something. So, you know, I appreciate that and I hope to see you guys in the season next year.
0: Thank you, Steve. But, um just a few things that we want to talk about. Uh, I'm sure we'll discuss this in more depth in the near future, but the there's obviously you know off pitch is as much a factor as on pitch that's what's getting the headlines of forest the spectre of maranakis and what that means for the you know the 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 coaching team and the management's team and so on so first of all would you agree with me that despite the fact we haven't won in 10 games there's
2: no point sacking Steve Cooper now. There's no point sacking him now. Um, I think I've spoke about all the, the factors and the injuries and everything like that. I, I do think he's made some mistakes, but that's what you get for having a relatively young manager who's never managed at this level before. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the now that the pressure's on, I think he's making a few more mistakes than he was maybe earlier in the season. But also, his hands are kind of tied in what he can do in some ways. I don't think... There there are some players that we've signed that I think were his choice. I've read that some of them I've been quite surprised by. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I think some of the other players that we've signed maybe weren't his choice and he's just had to shoe on them in. Um, But even then... Some of the substitutions, some of the tactical changes, maybe he's got them wrong, but then you're always everyone always finds. Well that's like with, team selection, yeah, isn't it? Where everyone's <laughs> got a different opinion on that stuff. So you could you can never the only way to prove people right is to win games consistently. And you can't win games consistently if you're making four or five changes, enforced changes every week.
0: And and sometimes four or five enforced changes in the match. <laughs> yes. Sometimes more than that, as we saw <laughs> in <laughs> Villa. Um okay, so In line with that, now, we're not experts on world football in the way that maybe Tom or Adam in our podcast Mm -hmm. team are, or Callum, but I can't think of, even if you were to sack Cooper, right, there's the statistical argument which we've already covered, which is Mm -hmm. the Athletic have covered as well, saying, if you change your manager at this time of the season, it's not going to make any difference to your league position. There's there's a statistical basis, and even Palace, who are going great guns, they're going to move from 12th to 12th. Mm So the other side of that is if you're going to get rid of your manager, you need to replace them with someone who's better.
2: Well, no. So actually, the argument in favour of getting rid of the manager is we obviously have a mental block away from home. Mm -hmm. And as it stands, we need to get points away from home. Yes. Steve Cooper, in his post-match interviews, has repeatedly said, we lacked belief, we lacked desire, we lacked fight. We're working on these things, but, and he's kind of gone, left it open-ended that he's not sure what else he can do to make them, them work. So someone else coming in might give the players the kick up the arse or break the, whatever the mental block is that mm-hmm. they've got. With Palace, Roy Hodgson coming in has broken their mental block. But the reason he's done that is because he's palaced through and through, mm-hmm. and he's given them a sense of unity and purpose and togetherness that we've got, yeah, <laughs> so i don't see yeah. yeah, I don't see how bringing in someone maybe from another continent continent is going to do that for us.
0: Mm. And you know so this is pure speculation, but given what Stephen Reed left for us to do, you wonder if he'd have had a contribution to make in terms of that idea about mentality and positivity mm-hmm. and so on, which I know sounds harsh because Steve cooper's all about mentality and positivity and team spirit and and but, and there is a team spirit
2: and and there is there there is a team spirit, but there's also there comes a point where if your boss is saying the same things to you over and over again and it's still not getting a result, you're going to stop listening anyway.
0: Well, but managers who are losing every week, they're bound to say the <laughs> yeah. same things every week. <laughs> I and, know. And, and we know this because even as podcasters, when Forrester had been losing every week, we found it
2: difficult because <laughs> yeah. it's
0: like, what, what else can you say? <laughs> um, so... so
2: I'm just saying, yeah, so I can see the reasoning for changing the manager. Mm-hmm. And there is something there that that needs fixing, and I'm not sure that Steve Cooper's the person to fix it at the moment, given the situation we're in, but I don't see how changing it now would make and any it, difference. And it's
0: not like a situation like there is with Brendan Rodgers, where... There were obviously players who'd lost the trust of the manager yeah. and vice versa, and so you can see the fact that Vardy's back in the starting, yeah, yeah. you know, starting team. Soyuncu and Vestergaard have been told that they can come in from the cold, having not played all season. There's, there's today's, obvious...
2: today's performance shows that, yeah, the players will fight for the yeah. club, yeah. Um, but if, it, yeah, if, if we'd fallen to pieces, if it'd been like, um, what's it, the uh. uh to bits well basically any of the, Any of our recent away games mm-hmm. um, then even even after the second goal went in we didn't fall to pieces we didn't really threaten them but we still fought yeah and so I think that shows that the players are still with Steve Cooper it's just the, the application the, the, and the consistency and, and, no and so that there's there's the trouble where the quality issue, mm-hmm. which the individual mistakes issue, yep. which is down to consistency and injuries and all that sort of stuff. I do think there is a mentality issue, especially away from home. Like like I was saying about this, this is a relegation form sort of side. The way the heads seem to drop yeah. when we concede, that is our biggest problem. That needs to be fixed. And,
0: and what was really disappointing about the, Leeds mm. was that having for so many weeks and months said the first goal in our away matches is so crucial and it goes against us and then their heads drop and we scored first Mm. and yet still five minutes later we let you know we gave the game away effectively Mm. and that was that suggests that it's, it's deeper than just the first goal
2: yeah yeah and and that is the sort of thing where changing how you do stuff in a way that goes beyond just having the coach saying something different or doing some different training routines, that's where it will make a difference. But I don't think in doing so, we would also lose the unity and the, the togetherness. And I think the atmosphere at home games would turn toxic and then we'd lose the home form or oh, the, the home atmosphere as well.
0: So I did a piece for a um, an, uh, a Danish TV channel, don't ask me how or why, but I was talking about the fact that the behind-the-scenes changes that have happened this season, so famously, Siriano and Scott, before, mm-hmm. you know, after the... between the end of the summer transfer window and Christmas, and then... Uh, you know the the latest sacking of Giraldi just recently and with the questions being asked about Steve Cooper's job i think there's very possibly an element of it's a pr thing the or at least partly a pr thing because we know that Maranakis clubs change managers or head coaches frequently but also the Maranakis Maranakis himself and the club hierarchy know that cooper is apart from some doubters on social media cooper is essentially the glue that's holding the club and the fans together Mm -hmm. so in that sense in that sense it's actually easier as siri tries to jump in with her Mm -hmm. opinion about giraldi um, in that sense it's easier to get rid of someone like giraldi and to pin the blame on him for the transfer window and of course. It's depending upon what you read and who you speak to and which rumours you believe. Well, some of it was Giraldi's fault, but not all of it.
2: And uh, ultimately, you also have to say that our two best players came from that Giraldi's transfer window.
0: Mm-hmm. But we've also mentioned earlier, there's two <laughs> players who <laughs> seem to have made the team and squad significantly worse. Yes.
2: So it who cost a minute. lot of money. But then, depending on who you uh, believe and what you've read, uh, one of them could be a Steve Cooper signing.
0: Yeah, which just goes to show that we <laughs> yeah. don't we don't know what's true and 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 isn't. But in that respect, I mean, would you agree with that assessment that it seems easier?
2: For- well, I think, I, I think, Mister um, uh, Maranakis certainly comes across as the sort of person who has to be seen to be doing something.
0: Okay, and we're going to leave it there. So we're going to say thank you very much to Baz. We're going to say thank you to Stephen Barnes for his view from the uh, opposition. And we're going to say thank you to you, listener, for joining us once again. We will be back with a match report after Forrest's next game, which is away at Anfield, where we haven't won for 54 years, I think it (laughs) is now. And we will... Also, I'm sure in the next few weeks and months have plenty to talk about with regard to the off pitch stuff. In the meantime, thanks for listening.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.